and a very good day. This is Pastor Mark with Touch of God. Today, we start out with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, and we continue the series of Your Identity in Christ. Your identity. Not mine, but your. Each one of us. Our identity in Christ. It's not about the pastor today. It's about every single believer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints his set apart ones. So it is my prayer for you today that you would understand what the Lord has put on my heart to show you today in his word. And so in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you today for these precious souls listening. We thank you, Lord, that you are in their lives to the degree that they allow you to be in their lives. You are in their hearts to the degree that they permit you in their hearts and to the areas of the heart that they allow you in. And Lord, I pray today that they would open up every last part of their heart and give it over to you, allow you in, Lord, for you to consume them, for you to possess them instead of the world to possess them. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, today for being merciful and graceful to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And we read a common verse when it comes to the topic of your identity in Christ. And it's the Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. This is the Amplified Classic Edition. So this has a few more words to help describe the verse and bring more clarity to it. And this is why I like the version of the Bible. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So you might say, well, how did I become engrafted in Christ? And is that really me? How do I know just because I'm a believer that I'm engrafted in Christ? Where does it say that I'm in Christ? Because, you know, you might say to me, well, verse 17 says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. It doesn't say here in this verse that it's any believer. So you might ask that very valid question. So today we wanted to look at a few other verses to try and capture this answer. And we have to go back all the way to Genesis chapter 22, verses 16 and 18 where God is promising Abraham some things. And starting in verse 16, he says, And said, I have sworn by myself, says the Lord, that since you, which means Abraham, since you have done this and have not withheld from me or begrudged giving me your son, your only son, obviously that would be Isaac. Verse 17, In blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your descendants like the stars of the heavens, and like the sand on the seashore, and your seed, capital S, and your seed, heir, H-E-I-R, will possess the gate of his enemies. 
Verse 18, And in your seed, Christ, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, and by him, Christ, the seed, bless themselves, because you have heard and obeyed my voice. So we know from this promise here from the Lord to Abraham that all the nations of the earth would be blessed because Abraham heard the Lord's voice and obeyed the Lord's voice. Now, if Abraham had never obeyed the Lord's voice, we would not be able to secure our new identity in Christ today. We would still be on the path to destruction and hell. But it is only through Christ that we may be saved because he is the only true and single way to the Lord, the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to God. No one can get to God except through me, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only source of life. God is the only source of life. So we see here that Abraham was obedient, and because of that, God said, And in your seed, Christ shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So we are in one of those nations where all of the nations of the earth be blessed. But we have to believe in Christ. We have to believe in the name of Jesus in order to receive him as Lord and Savior, in order to receive this blessing that was promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. And so we might want to also here just start to look at Romans chapter 11 which talks a little bit more about the engrafting of the Gentiles, that's those believers who are not Jewish, the um, children of Israel, and how it came about that we were engrafted in to this promise to be able to be saved, to be able to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so this is obviously the letter from the Apostle Paul to the Romans, and it's chapter 11 in the Amplified Classic Edition. And verse 1 says, I ask then, has God totally rejected and disowned his people? And now you will ask, well, who, who are God's people? The children of Israel, the souls that God decided to choose, his original selection, his divine election for his people. So I ask then, has God totally rejected and disowned his people? Of course not. Why, I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, No, God has not rejected and disowned his people, whose destiny he had marked out and appointed and foreknown from the beginning. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Verse 3, Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. Verse 4, But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant, a small believing minority, selected, chosen by grace, by God's unmerited favor and graciousness. But if it is by grace, his unmerited favor and graciousness, it is no longer conditioned on works, or anything men have done. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. It would be meaningless. Verse 7, What then shall we conclude? Israel failed to obtain what it sought, God's favor by obedience to the law. Only the elect 
those chosen few obtained it, while the rest of them became callously indifferent, blinded, hardened, and made insensible to it. Verse 8. As it is written, God gave them a spirit, an attitude of stupor. Stupor means almost near unconsciousness, like a drunkenness. It continues to say, eyes that should not see and ears that should not hear, that has continued down to this very day. And David says, let their table, their feasting, banqueting, become a snare and a trap, a pitfall and a just retribution, rebounding like a boomerang upon them. Verse 10, let their eyes be darkened, dimmed, so that they cannot see, and make them bend their backs, stooping beneath their burden forever. Verse 11, and this is where we get into the the meat of this. So I ask, have they stumbled so as to fall to their own utter spiritual ruin irretrievably? Now remember, Paul is asking here about the Jews, the God's chosen people, the children of Israel. Paul is talking about this here in verse 11. So I ask, have they stumbled so as to fall to their own utter spiritual ruin irretrievably? By no means, but through their false step and transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to arouse Israel to see and feel what they forfeited, and so to make them jealous. So we see here in verse 11 that it was us who were engrafted, us meaning the Gentiles, those of you who are Gentiles like myself, I should say, that were engrafted into this promise from Genesis 22 into being able to be born again, to receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, to be engrafted into the promise and to the benefits and the amazing grace of God that he promised Abraham in verse 18 of Genesis 22. And this is what's happening in where Paul is talking about in Romans 11, 11, chapter 11, verse 11. So we can see here the astonishing reason while the Gentiles were also engrafted in. It says, But through their, meaning the children of Israel's false step and transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. It makes you wonder what would have happened if the children of Israel had not stumbled. What would have happened to us as Gentiles? But through their false step and transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to arouse Israel to see and feel what they, the children of Israel, forfeited, and so to make them jealous. Verse 12. Now, if their stumbling, their lapse, their transgression has so enriched the world at large, and if Israel's failure means such riches for the Gentiles, think what an enrichment and greater advantage will follow their fallen reinstatement. But now I am speaking to you who are Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I lay great stress on my ministry and magnify my office, in the hope of making my fellow Jews jealous in order to stir them up to imitate, copy, and appropriate, and thus managing to save some of them. For if their rejection and exclusion from the benefits of salvation were overruled for the reconciliation of a world to God, what will their acceptance and admission mean? It will be nothing short of life from the dead. Verse 16, Now if the first handful of dough offered as the firstfruits, Abraham and the patriarchs, is consecrated wholly, so is the whole mass, the nation of Israel. And if the root, Abraham, is consecrated and holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, while you, 
a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them to share the richness of the root and the sap of the olive tree, do not boast over the branches and pride yourself at their expense. If you do boast and feel superior, remember it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. Verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken, pruned off, so that I might be grafted in. Verse 20, that is true, but they were broken, pruned off because of their unbelief, their lack of real faith. And you are established through faith because you do believe. So do not become proud and conceited, but rather stand in awe and be reverently afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches because of unbelief, neither will he spare you if you are guilty of the same offense. Then note and appreciate the gracious kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's gracious kindness to you, provided you continue in his grace and abide in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off, pruned away. And even those others, the fallen branches, Jews, if they do not persist in clinging to their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you have been cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and against nature grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much easier will it be to graft these natural branches back on the original parent stock of their own olive tree? And that's down to verse 24. I don't think we have to go any further, but you get the idea here in Romans 11 that the Apostle Paul is writing to the Romans and he's talking about the situation with the blessing of God upon the Gentiles at the current expense there of the unbelief of the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And it is not the Lord's will for anyone to perish. So the harvest is today, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. We must seek every soul into the kingdom because both Gentile and Jew are grafted into this promise back in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, where God was acknowledging Abraham's faith and his obedience to God's voice and what God told him to do with the sacrifice almost of Isaac, where, you know, the angel held the sword, the knife at the very last moment, stopped Abraham actually stabbing his son. Abraham was willing to go through and be obedient to God's command there. And that was his obedience. Are we ready to put the knife through some of our hang-ups today, our distractions, our time in our day? Are we ready to sacrifice those things, give it all for God? Are we allowing God into our hearts today? We need to be acknowledging that even if we are not the Jewish people, but we're the Gentiles, that we are blessed to be, to be grafted in here. And so coming back to the original point of the start of the program, where we talk about 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So you know now how you were engrafted into Christ. So now you know how you got in Christ. Of course, the key was that the many important things that had to happen for this to happen. It was Abraham's obedience. First of all, it was God's mercy and grace. God never had to give the command to Abraham. And then even as he did, Abraham could have 
not wanted to sacrifice his own son at that time, Isaac. So if those things had not gone through, where would we be today? We wouldn't have this promise to be able to be in the seed of Christ, according to verse 18 of Genesis chapter 22. So we have much to be grateful for for the Lord. We may be at the dinner table every day thanking the Lord in prayer for our food, and of course we should do that. We should thank Him for our health, our family, and all the things that we can think of, because all good things come down from the Father of Light, according to the Bible, and we must be thankful for all good things. But don't forget that we also need to be thankful for our salvation and knowing and appreciating what went in to get salvation available to us, whether we be a Jew or a Gentile today listening to this program. It was God's command to Abraham. It was Abraham's obedience. But it was also God's sacrifice in sending his only son for you. A lot had to happen to be able to be saying to you today that you have the choice of making a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I wouldn't be able to say this if none of these things had occurred, if Abraham had been disobedient to the Lord, if the Lord had never sent his son Jesus, if Jesus had never done the will of the Father, which was to go to the cross, it was to preach the kingdom on the earth, it was to go to the whipping post, it was to be that sacrificial lamb of God. No pastor, no teacher of the Word of God would be able to say these things today if it wasn't for all these things that came about. And it's all down to God's goodness and the love he has for you today. That he went to great lengths to raise up Abraham, to call the right people at the right time and their hearts, because God doesn't violate a free will. He didn't force Abraham to do anything. Abraham still had a choice of whether he was about to kill his own son. That was a choice. God obviously tested him. It was a test, but Abraham wasn't a robot. And so you could see that anything could have happened, and the outcome could have been very different all along the line, through Abraham and many, many other examples. Jesus himself. So, now you know, if you didn't already know before, that when you are in Christ, people will say, you're in Christ. I'm in Christ. But okay, how do you know how you got there? Well, obviously, yes, I went to the altar, or I was in my car, or I was walking along the street, and I just decided one day I've had enough. I cannot control or improve the life by my own strength. I have to give it to the Lord. I need the Lord for whatever reason you came to the Lord with. Yes, of course, you made the biggest decision in your life was to receive him. But also we need to make sure that we obey him every day. That's also a very important thing for you to to make your free will, whatever God's will is for your life. But there's so much more to just, you know, you went to the altar, you made the decision for the Lord, but so many other things came into place for you to become in Christ. You're in Christ today because of the sacrifice and the obedience of Abraham, the goodness of God, the sacrifice of Jesus. So we have much to be thankful for today. And Lord, we thank you that because we are in you now as believers, whether we be Jew or Gentile, we can be in you, Lord, if we are believing in your name. We believe that God raised you from the dead. We confess you as Lord. Romans 10 verse 9 says that we shall be saved. 
if this is the case, if we confess you as Lord out of our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised you from the dead, we shall be saved. And when we are saved, you translate us, you transfer us out of under the powers of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. And there we are, seated in heavenly places next to you, Father, in your Son, Jesus, in Christ, engrafted in as a Gentile or a Jew. And we thank you today for your your amazing grace. Looking past our faults, but Lord, you give us even the, the ability to confess our sins so that you can forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, according to the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. So Lord, today, as we know, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, very well. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh in you has come. What verse 17 doesn't say is how and who made that possible. It states a true fact, but it is all down to God's grace and God's power that he raised Jesus from the dead by his spirit, but also that that same precious Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, and God's mercy and grace has made us a new creation today. We are a new species, some translations say, a species that has not existed before. We are a new species. We are not the same person that we were before. Do not think that because you look the same in the mirror that you're the same person. You are the spirit inside your body. You are not the face that is on the body that you live within. You are the spirit inside the body and the mirror in your bathroom that is only seeing your body. It's not seeing you. It's not seeing your spirit. And it doesn't see your soul. It only sees what it sees. And in the physical realm, only the body is showing, not your spirit or your soul. So remember that God has created you a brand new spirit, regenerated your old spirit, regenerated it. Now it's brand new. Now what we have to do next after being born again, and continually, every day, is speaking in tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Understand Acts chapter 2, and understand that God is going to give you what you ask for. Ask and you shall receive. So ask him for that, and speak in tongues, the most precious heavenly prayer language. God's will will be prayed through your lips at the unction of the Holy Spirit. But he also wants us to read his word. Read the Word of God so that you will understand the truth of who you now are in Christ, and you can understand those things, this topic, by reading the letters of Paul, which is the epistles to the churches, such as the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Colossians. Read these books of the Bible in the New Testament. And when he talks about people now in Christ, who you are in Christ, and how this happened, don't believe it was just for those churches. Believe that's for you today. And God is no respecter of persons. And we know this now because it is us Gentiles and us Jews who are both engrafted into the same promise. The promise of eternal salvation through Christ Jesus, who is the only way, the truth, and the life to God. After separation by sin, based on what happened in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So we're going to close today. We thank you, Lord, for this word. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. These precious souls listening today will renew their effort to commit themselves to reading your Bible, your word, your scriptures, 
learning about who they are themselves. In so doing, they will fulfill Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by reading your word, so that we may prove what is that perfect and good and, and acceptable will of God. So we thank you, Lord, today for Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that tells us the importance. We cannot renew our spirits. Only you can do that. But you will not renew our minds automatically. You will renew our minds when we read your word. And supernaturally, your word will go and do a work, and it will not return void to you without accomplishing what you wanted to happen with that verse or verses that we are reading and understanding in the depths of our souls. So we thank you, Lord, today for your word that is going about and it is working within us, renewing our minds and helping us understand who we now are in you and the truth of your word in Jesus' name. And I speak life and health over all of you today, from the top of your heads to the soles of your feet. We bless you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for healing the listeners today for whatever trouble in their hearts, in their bodies. We thank you, Lord, as they commit themselves, focus on you and seek you with all their hearts. They will find you. When they ask, they will receive. When they call upon you, you will answer. You will always there. You will draw nigh to them once they draw nigh to you first. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are Touch of God Radio at YouTube and Facebook, and you can send us a prayer request as well at touchofgodradio at gmail.com. Until next week, be blessed.